When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and a very warm welcome to Ramble React. A lot's been made about Chelsea's inconsistency this season, but if they could play Crystal Palace every week, they'd win the lot. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Andy Brassel. Yes, indeed. Welcome to a Monday night edition of Ramble Reacts. I love doing these, particularly with my old pal Andy. Um, get to uh, watch a game and then uh, res- um, retire to the dining room slash recording studio <laughs> and uh, run the rule over what we've just watched. And um, yeah, ended, ended up uh, at Sellers Park tonight, Crystal Palace, one Chelsea, three goals came from uh, a beauty, actually, from Jefferson Lerma, which I'm sure we'll come on to, which opened proceedings. Couple of um, couple of goals for Conor Gallagher and then Enzo Fernandez sealed the deal very, very late on. Um Andy, what did you make of the game? I, I personally didn't really see why Crystal Palace didn't come out guns blazing from the very start, given what we've seen from Chelsea recently. Haven't won the league until tonight for a month or so. They're a bit disjointed. The manager's under pressure. I thought if you can get after them early, get the crowd behind you, because the crowd at Sellers Park are always pretty good. It yeah. could have been a um, it could have been a different story, but they didn't really do that, did they? Despite opening the scoring. No, and I, th- I think if we're going to criticise Palace or if we're going to... Let's criticise him, man. I think... Use your platform, <laughs> Brassel. You're a Wimbledon guy. <laughs> it's been a long time since we shared there. I'm not as angry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think if, if you look at it, it's very hard to criticise Palace or Roy Hodgson on the back of this because simply what else could they have done, really? The, the only thing, going back to your point, 
the only thing that I could have done really is made it a little bit more solid and defensive in the second half. Um, I I think really, if you look at that lineup, if you had no knowledge of the situation at Palace, you would think, okay, Roy's going for it. It's a shit or bust lineup. But actually, he didn't have a huge deal of option. He tried to be positive, getting uh, Matthias Franse in there, mainly because I don't think they have a great deal of creativity with Alise or Eze. So on one hand, you had those little moments from Franse where you thought, okay, there's a bit of promise here. I thought he did all right. But he, he did. He was he was terrible without the ball. And he going, was terrible going forward, with, he was good. With the ball in his own half. Yeah, yeah, but I think you look at where Chelsea took the momentum. And Malo Gusto had a great time against him. A really great time against him. And that they were massively under the pump every time he got the ball in his own half, especially in the, the, the second half, Francis. So you can see those little green shoots, but... You know, he's an inexperienced player playing his, making his first Premier League start, and it, it showed really that mm. wasn't really the environment for him. You know, you would have hoped it to be in a a slightly better situation with Palace in a, a slightly better position. So I think you you look at the fact that they are a little bit diminished. You know, they've 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 got a couple of their best players out at, at the moment, and. What more could they do? I, I I really don't see what what more they could do. The first half went pretty much as they wanted it, and because they were a bit slow to react, and Hodgson was maybe a bit slow to react to the way the match was unfolding in the second half, they kind of lost control of it a little bit. I think. Yeah, I mean, starting from the from the very top of the game, I mentioned in the little intro bit there before I asked you your first question. I mean, Palace. Yeah, they're fine. They're without Michael Elise because of, a, I think, a ridiculous gamble um, oh, yeah, that Hodgson sure. made. Obviously, Eze's yeah. been massive for them. They're out without him as well. But I don't see why they couldn't have just played with a tempo. I mean, the game started at such a slow pace. It was just ideal for Chelsea because Chelsea are unconfident. They're a little bit, like I said, they're disjointed. Um, they could just knock the ball around. I mean, the first half, Chelsea had about 80% possession with no real intent. I mean, I think... I think um, no. Opta were reporting that it's the most possession a team's had since Premier League began in a half with no shots on target. I don't, I'm not even <laughs> sure if they had a shot at all. I think maybe they might have had one, but it certainly wasn't on target. No, and, and this is where Chelsea were in August, September. You know, where's mm. the where's the development? Yeah, it's it's a really really weird situation. Um, they just look like a mid-table team, right? And mm. and to be fair, in mean, Palace maybe in the first half looked like a mid-table team as well and then the game kind of got away from them but but Palace started to get a bit of joy midway through the first half with Jean-Philippe Mateta just because he's so positive and he's a driving runner with the ball at his feet and he can give um, defenders something to think about particularly defenders who've you know Chelsea haven't had a brilliant time of it on and off the pitch defensively particularly with them um, you know, when you incorporate Thiago Silva's wife into the proceedings um, and, and, and Pochettino's <laughs> asked to, have to answer questions about that I mean he's was very touchy in a press conference when being asked about why he dropped Silva for the cup game and why mm. he's brought him back again and I just think that Mateta got some joy because he was so positive and we can we always see the effectiveness of just purely positive forward players in the Premier League. In my view, they don't even need to have that much quality, but they can give um, defenders something to think about. And in fact, the Jefferson Lerma goal, which was an absolute screamer, it was a beauty, but it came originally from Mateta being really positive and then Chelsea being sloppy trying to deal with it. So tentative, couldn't deal with the second ball, then didn't deal with the third ball. Lerma just lashed it into the top corner. Um, I particularly enjoyed at half-time in the... Um, 
in the Monday night football coverage, Peter Check just saying he yeah, definitely would have saved it uh, because uh, what he would have done is this and he would have done that. And I was thinking, okay, it's pretty easy from, from the studio when you're like 45 years old. But, uh, but on, on the other hand, is is different to 99% of those other situations where it's um, a pundit, normally an outfield player, who has very little understanding of goalkeeping. So yeah. what I what I would have done it's a treat. is, it is a treat watch, to have what, what I would have done is watch the goalkeeper let it in and then blamed it on him. Basically, yeah, yeah. Is, is, is what it is. I, I mean, the, the, the fact that, you know, Dave Jones, I thought took really good advantage of the fact that while Petr Cech was describing it, he was subconsciously without even realizing he, he was doing it, taking the stance. And yeah. so he's like, Go backwards. Keep going backwards. He was like it was like a theatre director. Yes, but <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm, re- I'm really glad you addressed the elephant in the room there. Which yes, fantastic goal. Chelsea should never be conceding a goal like that. I oh, know it no. was just absolutely shambolic. Well, defending, and you, you know what? I, I I think Pochettino did well to not drag Madueke off on the spot, and you know, oh, you think you, you, you'd have been maybe that, even Casado. You'd have been that harsh on him, would you? I, it's just really... You can't say unforgivable. There are not many things on a football pitch that are un, unforgivable, apart from, I don't know, poking someone's eye out with a corner flag. Depends who it is. People use that a little bit too much, but in the context of the match, it should never be... He should never be doing that. You see, he had a few situations like that. We talked about Franca before, where he's like taking the ball out when when it's when it's been cleared from a corner, and he's running the ball out and he's doing it with. Oh, I wonder what I'm going to do with it next. And b- while he's thinking that, Malagusto's taking it off him. Mm. But but Maruake or or um, Caicedo shouldn't be doing that. And no. Caicedo lying on the floor pretending he's been fouled. I mean, come on. As ever with them, with the midfield um, situation, with ninety percent of the teams Chelsea play, on paper it's a mismatch. It's like a total mm. mismatch. I mean, you, you've got um, you've got um, such quality. I mean, I know they haven't. I mean, particularly Kosedo because he's been a bit stop-start because of it, the, the recent um, injuries. But yes, mid, mid, base of midfield for them. I mean, I think Enzo Fernandez is a fantastic player. I mean, he's, he's, it's easy to forget he's he's an inexperienced player still because his rise has been so astronomical in European terms. Definitely, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. And so, um, and really, you know, you, you are joke. You are think Europe is the crucible of top level football. I mean, so it mm. is. It is a it is a factor that he hasn't played that much European football. But but you've got a situation there where it looks like a mismatch in the middle of the park, and that area which leads to Palace scoring is exactly the area they should be dominant. I mean, there's no question about that. But I deviate slightly from you by saying that that is fair. The ball should have been dealt with one, not once, but twice. But it's still a great goal from Lerma from that kind of distance. He's absolutely Ooh, nice. lashed it into the far great corner. And, and, and that can happen. I mean, it's not... Of course, it, on one level, it's defensively poor out of possession and indeed in possession for Chelsea. But at the same time, you know, I, it's, I, the reason I kind of chuckle at Peter Cech saying what he said is because, fine, technically it's interesting punditry, but also Peter Cech, Peter Cech respectfully, is, is 10 times the goalkeeper David Petrovic is. And so... It's a little bit harsh, given the quality of the strike and given the relative inexperience of the goalkeeper as well, I thought. So uh, is, is what you're saying, when Mauricio Pochettino eventually gets fired and Petr Cech... <laughs> by the end of this show. Yeah. No, actually, it won't be now, it won't be now, it won't be now. Probably. And uh, Petr Cech hangs up his ice hockey stick to uh, yeah, come in go. as like... As, as, as interim between now and the end of the season. He's going to be goalkeeping Glenn Hoddle. 
Yeah. I'll just try to think of what I would hurl it and just say, come on, come on, man. Why can't you do this? Why can't you do this? You're just not trying. Um, What other stuff can Peter Cech do with his hands in his retirement? Because he plays hockey. He also plays the drums. Um, It must be other things he can do, but don't take your mind to the gutter, Andy. I'm thinking, (laughs) talking about other legitimate things he could do. I thought he was a good pundit. I enjoyed his contribution. Build Legos. Yeah, bit of Lego. Good do the Lego Masters. Good show on the E4 that Lego Masters. What well, well, um, you know, you know, it's, it's very popular amongst uh, footballers and former footballers. Uh, less so than is is actually said in public spaces. I think Lego is. I very, don't think you should popular. be. I don't think you should be ashamed of it. I think I think it's a. I, I my dad I don't loves think, Lego. My wife loves Lego. It's great. It's a great hobby. I don't think you should be ashamed of it. I also don't think you should be in a group called uh, adult Lego enjoyers. Are you in that? I think, uh, that sounds a bit creepy. I, I couldn't possibly reel that. It's like I said, at, no one talks about it in public. It's either that or it's a dig at Pete Donaldson. He's not here to defend himself. So that's very unfortunate. <laughs> um, listen, I, I, going to the end of the first half, I mean, Chelsea had loads of the ball, didn't really do much with it. Their XG, as I mentioned or I alluded to, their XG at halftime was 0.00. Um, it's, it's not great. Um, but... I think the way that Crystal Palace started the second half was really disappointing. And and before that, Michael Oliver being slow to come out for the second half because he had some kind of communication issue with his um with his mic and um and the players were just resorted to just knocking the ball about, waiting for the second half to start. And then Gary Neville kind of lost his mind a bit. Like, I don't know if you were listening to the commentary, but Gary Neville started inquiring whether the communication between officials was actually important and can we just get on with the game? And I would say, well, given that the whole edifice of modern refereeing is geared around referees talking not just to VAR but to the fourth official to the linesman I'd say yes it probably is quite important Gary also what what he's failed to know is it's really important to his job because as we know the favourite part of Gary Neville's job his favourite part of his job is spoiling the surprise for us while we're waiting for VAR to make a decision. Yeah, he loves he it. Like, he, li- he likes to get there two and a half seconds beforehand doesn't he? He likes to get the news out before anyone else going, can. Going he needs on. to be first. But, but yeah, yeah, the, the whole Michael Oliver thing. I, I, I guess it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the whole modern experience of going to a football match is deeply unsatisfactory when something goes even slightly wrong. Anything technology related, isn't it? It feels Because the crowd clearly didn't know what was was going on there. And you're probably sitting there thinking, this never would have happened to Usher at halftime yesterday, would it? (laughs) Are you thinking there should be some kind of like commentator slash narrator announcer at every stadium? Yeah, I think that would be... It's the monster trucks or something. Yeah, that would be quite an interesting idea. You, You know how there's a bit of... A bit of light description at NBA, for example. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, or, or actually British basketball as well. I, th- I think, I think that would be that would be quite handy. I mean, obviously, it would be nice if there was no technology. Players didn't moan about decisions, and we all just got on with it. But I think we're past that point. Yeah, now let's be we? realistic. Um, can yeah. I make a slightly more rogue shout and say that I know they're very different in terms of sporting endeavours, but when you go to the snooker, you can buy an earpiece. And you get commentary in your ear while you're watching it. Oh, and like so, you can do the, the cricket as well. You can yeah, get TV exactly. commentary so, in, in, in your ear. You know, I knew you were dying to say something about snooker ever ever since you talked about the crucible of European football. I just had this image of Enzo Fernandez in like white gloves, like polishing a cue ball. In another world, I am um, I am a broadcaster about indoor games slash sports, darts, <laughs> snooker. I lo- that's my real that's my real love. Like that, right. that, honestly, those types of sports, and they are sports, 
are, are my are my real love, to be honest. But I think it might be a little bit noisy at a football match to have the old commentary in your ear. Because back in the day, Andy, you remember as well as I do, um, you used to get um, old fellas standing behind you on the terraces with the old transistor radio to their ear, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Actually, um, a friend of mine who I used to work with, um, the Aguero moment in um, the, the, the Premier League where, of course, United were playing at Sunderland that day and they'd That's done right. that bit and, and they'd won while time was ticking away at, at, at the Etihad. Um, uh, a friend of mine, he, he followed United home and away and um, he was listening on his radio and it, it seems weird and anachronistic because it's actually not that far in the past, is it? Yeah. But he was listening in because people have very basic smartphones at the time, to what was happening on uh, Five Live or whatever. And of course, the people around him in the seats were listening to what happened. And before he knew it, because there weren't that many people with transistor radios on the terrace, they're in the way end at Sunderland. And there was like best part of 100 people around him, maybe yeah. more, all, all crowding so in funny. and listening. And obviously, like all collectively wincing when uh, the news came through of uh, you say, Aguero's goal. You say it's not that long ago, but the idea of Man United being in the title race on the final day makes it seem like a very <laughs> long time ago. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash ramble. I'm Dion Dublin, and when I'm not banging my tube, I'm listening to the football ramble. When the second half did finally get underway, Chelsea started it perfectly. Conor Gallagher scored a minute in. It was a lovely finish. I mean, mm. actually, special bit of praise for um, for Nicholas Jackson, actually, because he's been 
partly derided for not being Christopher Nkunku and partly derided for not quite being ready for top level football yet from what mm. I've seen but it was a fantastic near post run like textbook near post run to drag defenders away and leave the space for Gallagher who clearly had the time and, uh, and quality to, to make the finish um they hit the yeah. ground running in the second half after being so poor in the first half. But obviously Gallagher scored another one later in the game as well. Quick word on him because he, to me, and I know this seems like a bit of a, it's a bit of bad timing me saying this now, but I think I am going to stick to my guns and just make it as a general point, is that for me, Gallagher doesn't seem like a 10. He doesn't seem like he contributes enough in terms of goals and assists mm. and pure creativity to play as a 10 in that system they want to play. And I get that he's good in the press. I get that he gets around the pitch. Mm. I get that he's high energy and can pick a pass out. But to me, he's a better player deeper and maybe there's just not room for him at club level or international level at this point playing deeper. Yeah. So at the moment, he's doing a job there. What do you, did you make of his performance tonight and what do you make of his kind of overall season and potentially what's what's ahead of him? Well, it's good even in the first half. I mean, the only time they had a, a sniff of goal, it was Conor Gallagher on the end of it, wasn't it? Uh, uh, the, yeah. Um, uh, the the um, end of the first half. So look, I, I think... He can certainly do a job where, where he is at the moment. I, I would agree with you. And I think given that he is quite a natural at making runs into the box, you want a deeper starting position anyway. So I, I, th I think that makes that makes better sense. You know, you look at him and you think, yeah, probably not quite the technique for that number 10 sort of role. Um, England squad, maybe, maybe. I, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel to me that... It feels that Chelsea of used him a lot out of necessity this season. I think in if, if everything was going perfectly at Chelsea, he wouldn't be playing quite as much. Um, I understand he's, he's very important. He's very dear to, to everyone there. Um, obviously, it would be a massive difference maker for, for, for Crystal Palace, but it feels to me that he's important to Chelsea because there is so much instability elsewhere, really. Mm. But obviously... The powers that be at the club haven't seen that and are trying to sell him anyway. Well, that's another weird situation because clearly Pochettino likes him and mm. he looks like, I mean, it's not a huge surprise that that's how Chelsea appear to be doing doing business. Although to be fair to them, they didn't actually do the business in January with Gallagher going out. But mm. to, 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 to incorporate that point into the, the conversation is that, you know, Spurs are the team that wanted him and Spurs are the team very close to signing him. There's no way he plays in that position ahead of Madison. Uh, you know, as a 10. It, look, it looks like he'd be someone who can go into the mix and be one of the two behind Madison if, if Benton Core, who's had injury problems, or Saar or Basuma or whoever's not available. He goes into the mix for one of those positions, in my view, at Spurs. He doesn't yeah. play ahead of Madison and he doesn't play ahead of um, other attacking players when Madison's unavailable either. So to me, yeah. it feels like that's where the future of his position is. Um, it yeah. was quite interesting to see him celebrate quite so vociferously um, against a club where he obviously has a lot of affection for and has done very well at. Um, but maybe he just feels like, it seemed to me like the celebration of a player who who feels like he's under pressure to add more numbers to his game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, or maybe he's just behaving how footballers should behave and just celebrate the goal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, that's 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 nice, I think. Yeah, it was, it was, it was good to see him not do the uh, hands up or any of that yeah. sort of, sort of and, nonsense. And, and the final cherry on top from Enzo... 
um, where he just basically had all day to just pick his spot after the defender went down so easily. I think it was um, was it Anderson went down so easily and just picked yeah. his spot and and fine. Um, you know that the game was done. Yeah, it, it it was. But with both those last two goals, two goals that 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 came right at the end of the game, I don't know if it was just an excellent bit of TV directing, but the focus on the body language of the Palace players, I thought was really interesting. Mm. How defeated they looked mm. and how like all over the place they really looked after that. And I think that was an interesting thing. You know, we talked about how um, Chelsea tr- struggled to create proper chances and or, or struggled to really take chances as well, um, despite all their, all, the, all their mastery of the ball. And particularly that was the case in the, in, in the, in the first half. Mm. Now, on one hand... I think they created quite a, a decent amount of chances in the second half against a team that's habitually as defensive as Palace, especially when Cole Palmer, despite creating those two goals at the end, you take those away and he wasn't really at it. He, he, yeah, he didn't have a best. great game. He wasn't at his best, certainly. Mm. And obviously his best is very, very good. Um, I thought really a, a team that was a bit more clinical, that maybe that could have been quite ugly that second half because... As I said, as a collective, and Flanser was only part of that, I think there's far too much responsibility on Adam Wharton, who's just a teenager who's arrived from the championship. Mm. Again, affected by the situation that they're in and the personnel that they've got. Um, I think a better team than Chelsea could have absolutely taken them to pieces in, in, in the second half, a more coherent team than Chelsea. So I think there are, there are two ways of looking at it. One, that Chelsea found a way of creating stuff in a slightly different way, which I think is, is the definite positive for them. Mm. But on the other hand, if you're talking about a really top team, honestly, I, I fear to think what a Liverpool or City or Arsenal would have done to to Palace in that, that second half. And they just look so disheveled by mm. the end of it. Mm. Now, I, I, again, I don't know if that's something you can particularly pin on Hodgson. Maybe you have a, a view on that. But... I think it's certainly an indication of the situation they're in and how those players feel about it. And they're really in a hole. Yeah. I mean, to be absolutely fair to Palmer, before I come on to the other point, I mean, he did get two assists tonight. So, I mean, it's, mm. if that's a quiet night at the office, then, you know, that's not too bad for him in the age he is. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's just been so impressive that I guess we're used to seeing him really tear it up. Um, on, on the Palace side of the ledger, yeah, I find it an interesting situation because we've got a few clubs knocking about where instability or indecisiveness off the pitch appears to be informing what's happening on the pitch. You put West Ham in that based on what happened at the weekend. You probably you could arguably even put Chelsea in that. Um, and, and there are one or two other clubs as well. Crystal Palace are definitely suffering from that. And the thing I find very interesting about it is that it's got a very holding pattern type feel. And... When you go up against a good team, and, you know, and as I mentioned at the top of the show, that's that's the 14th game in a row Chelsea have beaten Palace home and away in, right, in all competitions. I mean, their, their record against Chelsea is, a, is appalling anyway. Um, but I don't know how much you can read into that if you go back far enough. It's probably not even that relevant. But the point being that Chelsea have consistently really been a, a heavyweight team in the Premier League and Palace have found it impossible to get any kind of change out of them whatsoever. There may be different reasons for that. But for me, based on tonight, it feels a bit like... Everyone knows that the jig is up with Hodgson, right? It just depends on when the jig's going to be up. It could be up on Wednesday. It could be up at the end of the season. Where it gets really interesting is it's informing 
their performances and it's and it's making the crowd who are normally a really big asset to Crystal Palace, the home crowd, upset and 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 yeah, protesting and the rest of it. But yes. then you throw into the mix, which makes it a really heady brew, I think. The sheer amount of decent quality managerial candidates out there that Crystal Palace could just go and get. They could have done it at the but start of they? January. Well, they? That, that's that's look, that's the question because let's it put it out there. Like the let, 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 let me just finish the point. Let's put it out there because mm. if they had gone and been decisive, and I'm talking about decisiveness here. If they had gone decisively at the start of January, they could have gone Steve Cooper. Yeah, right. He went fairly around that kind of time. I don't remember exactly what was off, off the top of my head. Um, they, I think they could have gone Kieran McKenna, who is a really really highly rated young mm. manager. And I'd bloody love them to go after Russell Martin for all the obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> and that's just in terms of UK managers. There's talk of Lopetegui was in the, in the wings, looking like he was interested in coming back to England. There was mm. one or two others as well. Uh, I mean, why are they not trying to move quickly when they've got the pick? Because they're a Premier League side and they're not terribly financed. They're not, they've, got, they've not got a problem with, um, with profit and sustainability rules at the moment. They've been run pretty well from what I can see. Why are they not moving quickly and decisively to get a, a, a candidate where they can interview three or four of them and have their pick of the bunch? But I think the problem is that you're talking about what they should have done in January. The, the fact is, is it's, it's not January anymore. Um, and it's clear from the noises coming out of, of, of Palace that they would be happy to get rid of Hodgson and, and take on someone else. But... No one wants to go into that situation mm. with not that much of the so season. So you think Palace have tried, but it's not, they've not been yes. able to convince people. Yes, of course they've they, they've they've definitely spoken to to other coaches, and um, you know even even if Hodgson was going really well and Palace was were going quite well with him out of contract at the end of the season and at, at the age he is or, or going better than they currently are, that they would be negligent to not look at other managers at, at, at this point. The problem is is that a Cooper or a Lopetegui doesn't want to come in and, and look terrible. So they would ideally like to take over Palace next season. If they're still in the Premier League, it's an incredibly attractive job. And I think yeah, they definitely. will still be in the Premier League. It's a very, very attractive job. You know, you look at the fact that um, they'll probably end up with a new investor because Textor will sell his shares. Um, they are going to be redeveloping Selhurst Park, which has been an idea that's been lurking for a long time and those fans are magnificent but the actual stadium isn't so that's that's something that they need to to do and get on with as well the club needs to progress on on and off the pitch but i think the problem is they have to deal with the situation they're in at the moment you're you know you're right they do need to to move on from hodgson because you know everyone knows that 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 he's he's just you know, treading water at this time and that he is going to go. What they really need to do is adjust to the reality, to realise that they're not going to get Lopetegui, that they're not going to get Cooper now. So they've got to find a good, solid interim that sees them through. And look, I don't know if that's Sean Derry or anyone else, you know, but they've got to deal with the situation because just because they can't get the person they want to replace Hodgson in the medium term now, that's no real excuse for inaction. They have to do something because if they if they stay up on current form, it will only be because the teams below them are so shit. Yeah. It won't be because of anything and, they've done. And speaking and of they, that, they, Andy... They can't leave it to chance. Speaking of that, mate, next Monday night, Goodison Park, Crystal Palace go to. Oh. Massive. It's massive. Yeah. 
It's huge. And, and, you know, good to see you linking yourself with the job there. Shout out for Sean Derry. Um, you're busy <laughs> enough as it is, mate. I'm not sure you could squeeze in a full-time management job as well. Well, it depends if I'm on the podcast next Monday. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It just won't parachute you in for a couple of games. Listen, I think that, that would be a sexy new addition to Ramble React, me doing it from the touchline at Goodison, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, I wouldn't put... Like, some people, not me... Some people would say putting you and sexy in the same sentence is a stretch. I'm not one of those people. I, I find you incredibly sexy, as you know. Sean Derry is very offended. I've actually got Sean Derry's number. I could drop him a text, see if he's up to, see if he's going to take the job or not. See if there's any. Well, any what's your text to him going to be? You're not sexy. <laughs> no. First of all, going to be. Do you remember in the summer of 2015 when I arranged for you to do a uh, a thing for us that you didn't want to do? Uh, I've still got your number. Would you like to give me some really important information about your career, even though you can't remember who I am? I doubt I'll get a reply. Um, anyway, listen, we got through a ramble reacts there, a show about Chelsea without me slagging them off unnecessarily once. So you're welcome, Chelsea fan. I expect a fully balanced uh, overview and review of this episode on Twitter. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> because every time I call them a shower of absolute pricks, I get a load of stick on Twitter. So I haven't done that today on purpose. Uh, I've given them their credit, given them their due. It's an important win for them, Andy. Before we go, before we wrap up entirely, yes. what does it mean for Chelsea? We talked about what it means for Palace and what it might mean for, for Roy the boy. What does it mean for Chelsea? They move into the top half now. They're 10th as we record this um, record this episode. Um, you know, what can they realistically hope for? Um, how, how, does, how does this move the dial for them? I think the points totals of those directly above them give them a, a little bit of encouragement because I would say at this point in time, bearing in mind what I would have expected at the part, start of the season, I would say that Palace are about par, maybe slightly below, and Chelsea are about par because I didn't expect them to qualify for Europe at the start of the season. You know, I think um, to be fair to Pochettino, it was always a reconstruction job that was going to take a load of time, that was going to have a load of setbacks. Now, talking about that and preparing yourself for that and then Chelsea actually living that after the success of the last, well, not even the the last 20 years, you can go back to, you know, this, this is a crap season if we're talking about pre-Abramovich if we're talking about you know when they had the funding of Matthew Harding you know they were far more successful than they are in in this present season I, I guess if they were to get into Europe and you look at where they are in the cups and you look at the fact that the teams that are in front of them have only got a couple of points more than them I think it's a good season you know and I, I think there has to be some sort of acknowledgement of, of, of that having said that I think if we're talking about them getting to Europe through the league, like the teams just in front of them, and I'm thinking particularly of Newcastle, are demonstrably better Mm. and have got got a better plan and have got more direction. And I would, you know, if if I was wanting to coach a team or if I was a fan of one of those teams, I would be be far happier with, say, Newcastle than I would be with with the situation at at Chelsea. But look, there's, there's still opportunity. It's not a total write-off the season. There have been loads of setbacks, but there were always going to be loads of setbacks. It's just hard to put those setbacks into perspective when you're talking about Chelsea. And it's it's like when we talk about Manchester United and, and their rebuild and their hope to get somewhere in a better place. Every time that there's there's a setback for Manchester United, it feels like the earth has fallen from under their feet. Well, actually, it's just part of the journey, isn't it? Mm. 
And I guess Chelsea are also in a League Cup final, right? And that'll be... Exactly. I mean, if we're not going to count the two trophies that Pochettino won at PSG, and I don't think we should actually, uh, for the purpose no, of this not. Point, point I'm about to make, you know, Pochettino hasn't really won anything as a manager. You know, he's, he's obviously no. League Cup runner-up in 2015 with Spurs and obviously a Champions League runner-up in, uh, in 2019 with Spurs. But that's it. So, I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? I, I think just as a final point, you know... It's not necessarily about what Pochettino does with Chelsea now. It's about the way they've embarked upon this project is absolutely a project, right? Under a new ownership and a new yes. regime and a new direction. And yes. do they think Pochettino's the guy to take him forward, given that I think, as a coach, he's got quite an exalted position that I'm not sure he deserves. He- I would totally agree with that. Mm. I, I, th- I think it's quite difficult to frame exactly who or what he is as a coach. I think when you look at the way it ended at Spurs, when you look at the fact that he left it way too long to take a job after Spurs Mm -hmm. and then took a job that was patently unsuitable for him and that he was unsuitable for, I think in in some ways we still think of him as a young coach and yet he's in his 50s and he earns the sort of salary and he he did at PSG and um, he has at Chelsea as well. He earns the sort of salary that is commensurate with someone with a lot more trophies and a lot more experience, really. So it is hard to kind of put a, a label on him. I mean, if you think one of the jobs that he was linked with going going back to before and after PSG was Dortmund, and Dortmund could never afford him. Now, if you can't take the Dortmund job, yeah, you know, that, what, what the thing is, he's Make not quite good enough a, to get an elite club, but job. it's kind of an elite salary, isn't it? Yeah, 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 I totally get that. It's almost like, um, I always remember when um, Rivaldo, Left, um, I think it was Barcelona, and like his agent was putting out, um, putting him out, putting like leaking out wage demands, which basically ruled him out of every single club in the world. <laughs> it's like, it's a bit like, what's the point? You might as well just adjust and live in the world as it is rather than the world you yeah. want to be. But, but you know, it could always be worse for Pochettino. I did notice that, um, Joey Barton's very public meltdown, which has netted him a grand total of 4.3 thousand YouTube subscribers, having set fire to him and everything that's dear to him in in, in, in pursuit of it. Uh, in the in the background of the live streaming he does now, pride of place on the shelf, he's got a um, League Two Manager of the Month award. <laughs> So, speaking of managers haven't done much, it could always be worse. I hope Pochettino doesn't quite sink to those depths. But that is it. That is it for Ramble Reacts tonight. A very, very warm and uh, appreciative thank you to my friend and colleague and confidant and occasional lover, Andy Brussel, for joining me <laughs> tonight. Join us on Wednesday for the Ramble. Andy and I will be back um, with Marcus and Jim for the reaction to Man City's trip to Copenhagen along with plenty more, including how the lawmakers of football intend to deal with goalkeepers that are given a blue card. And trust me on that, it is bonkers. Bonkers. <laughs> you know, it's basically now the point where lawmakers in the game are just making stuff up um, to give it jeopardy that it doesn't really need. Um, so we'll cover that and many, um, many other things as well. So don't miss our takes um, on Wednesday. In the meantime, find us on X. Uh, formerly known as Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Football Ramble. And follow us on Spotify as well. Go in there, hit the follow button. It means a great deal to us um, and it's an easy thing for you to do. We'd really appreciate it. Hit the follow button on Spotify. It's a big, hearty, uh, thankful goodbye from Andy Brussel. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me as well. Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.